What's up, party people? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Cory Cast. This episode, I had the privilege to sit down with the 2019-2020 GSAR, the Greater Syracuse Association of Realtors President, uh, Chris Thielen. He's also the office manager for Howard Hanna in the Cicero North Syracuse office, and it was really cool sitting down to talk to the president of the GSAR just to kind of pick his brain about what his job is like, not only from the president's perspective, but also from a management side of things. I come from a retail management background, so it's it's interesting to see kind of the correlations between the two. Chris has always been very well-spoken and great at communication. I've watched him from afar since being a realtor a couple years back, but never really had the chance to sit and talk to him. But I'm glad we we had the chance because he's, uh, he's a very unique guy and he's very uh, intelligent in his approach to things, which is part of the reason I think he's handled it so so well with this whole this whole situation um but yeah i hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast uh with uh mr chris Thielen. Okay, I think we're recording now. All right, so cool. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for uh, taking the time to do uh, the podcast. I know. Happy, happy to be here. I know you're like a pretty, uh, pretty busy person to uh, sit here and uh, take the time out of your day to do the podcast. Uh, th- thrilled, thrilled to, to have joined you. So, uh, you are the president of the GSAR uh, for. <laughs> For this year and last year, right? Yeah. So, so it, so the um, twenty nineteen was my first year in the presidency. The way they do it is, um, uh, once someone becomes president and is sworn in, it's it's a one year term. But for continuity's sake, they will turn to the president and say, "Would you like to do a second a second term?" Uh, second term is not assured to the person, and a vote still needs to take place by the board of directors. Right. But uh, but you know it's a balancing act of trying to of trying to have some form of continuity from year to year, and at the same time not have it just be one singular person in there for too terribly long. Right. So um, so when I signed up for it, I thought well the first thought is they they had asked me, um, and it was about two years before my term would take place, and I thought I can commit to anything that's two years away. Yeah. Right. And that's not on me pretty fast, and uh, um, I articulated to them in that first year. You know, for the first few months, let me let me get my feet under me to to see if I would even consider a second year. And after after it was about last summer when I realized um, that I was enjoying the position um, and what came with it, and uh, made the determination that I would like to do year number two, which is what we're in right now. Twenty twenty is my second year, and it will be it will be my last year. Oh, and what like I don't even know what is like your normal duties as the the GSAR president? So um, it's, it's like being the president of really most any board of directors. So um, we have, uh, uh, we're, we are a non-for-profit. We have um, a directorship that steers uh, the, the, um, the course of, um, of the association. And the president's role is um, uh, like, like with most, with most other um, boards, um, to to kind of steer steer that and be at the helm. So um, we have we have four primary uh, charges at the board. We have to um, we have to educate and train. Um, that's why we're a school. Right. We we lobby. So we um, we we go to Albany. We do lobby day. We um, we do RPAC raising of monies um, for the realtor political political action committee. 
Um, so that's the second thing. The third thing would be um, uh, member events um, uh, so that there's cohesion within the organization. And then the fourth thing is uh, is is the, the structure that NAR has given us whenever there's conflict so that we can have conflict resolution. So if there's an ethics complaint, the methodology and process by which we go through that, or if there's a disagreement between two brokers, the arbitration process that we go through. So I gave those in no particular order, but those are the four things that we do. Uh-huh. And we have a directorship um, that, that um, casts votes on the direction that we're gonna go. And the president's role is really to carry those conversations and those meetings from start to finish. And it's really the directorship that votes and the president that um, really doesn't vote. Um, what I do is, is I, I try to make it uh, a, uh, a smooth functioning um, meeting itself. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun process. It's a, it's a, it's a really fun process. It, it's been an incredible learning experience. Yeah, that's cool. So like talking about uh, like if there's mediation or an ethics complaint, like how involved are you? So if there's an ethics complaint that like comes to your table, do you handle that directly? Or I, I think there's a board of people that handle that, right? Yeah, there's there's committees for that. So in fact, as the president, I don't even get, there's, there's a lot of privacy that comes along with that and rules that we have to follow. So um, I don't, I don't normally even see those complaints. I don't, um, I don't know the participants. Um, so let's say you and I have uh, an issue that arises, um, uh, whether it's whether it's ethics or arbitration. Um, we use the board and the methodology for navigating through that, but no one on the directorship um, really, uh, the directors themselves are, are shared that information because it, it's held private. Yeah. The, um, the ethics committee, for instance, would um, would hear it, and it would be uh, f- uh, three members um, that would be there plus an alternate. They would hear the arguments presented. They would have a ruling, and only then does it if if there's a if there is a, a ruling, only then does it go to rise to the to the board of directors. Uh, what okay. take what takes place then is if um, if the if uh, let's say it's company A and company B. At the end of our of, of at the end of our uh, our meeting, um, what we'll do is we'll say, everyone from um, from brokerage A and brokerage B, you need to um, you will you you need to excuse yourself from the room. We need a certain number of people, and I don't recall the exact number of people, um, to then um, uh, stick around in the room that are not colleagues of either party, and they just read the findings of fact. And, and vote in favor of are the findings of fact um, accurate. They can't uh, adjudicate it again. All they can simply do is read the finding of facts and, um, and, and unless there is a procedural error that is discovered, um, the finding of facts carries. And we basically vote on the carrying of those findings of facts. Oh, gotcha. It's, it's interesting because it's like I... I think we're one of the few like almost self-governing entities or professions out there because I come from a retail background and if there's like an issue it's like oh well that's against company policy clearly that's in black and white but here it's like there's a lot of like gray area between the two. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the difference is by being being a trade association. I think a lot of trade associations have have similar methodology. Gotcha. Um, and uh, directorships do um, for for those trade associations, or anytime that there's uh, an institution that governs beyond the scope of their own employees and their own four walls, their own, mm-hmm. you know, that which they do. Um, right. So if we're all kind of jumping in bed together, um, whatever the industry it might be, there's there's probably going to be some form of of um, something similar to what to what we do right uh, certainly not in all cases but uh i think it's the you know if this were if we were if the gsar was a private brokerage company um we would handle things internally and it wouldn't be done the same way yeah right right have you served on like other positions on the board or has it been just the president yeah in order to get on the board itself there's a certain amount of um volunteering you have to do ahead of time oh. so uh, you have to serve on um what's the formula now i think it's 
you serve on at least two committees over the last couple of years. Oh. Um, so, it, it, you know, I've been, I've been doing this, I've been involved with the board more or less since I got in the business um, about 21 years ago. And so I served in a bunch of different capacities. Um, it began by just showing up and, and volunteering. Hey, I think the first committee I was, was on was on the legislative committee. And wow. I just, I, I, uh, I said, I, you know, that's curious to me. I'd been in the business maybe a year and I said, you know, can I, I, I volunteered to be on that committee. I showed up the first year and more or less observed and listened and helped to lobby, but just sat back and, and kind of made sure that I was comfortable from there. I've, done most of the committees throughout the course of my my time on um um in the business that's cool because it's like uh <clears throat> i told myself i i balance uh real estate and retail because I, I used to be assistant manager for a company called running so when i started doing real estate i like s- stepped down as my assistant manager position and then went down to i was like four days a week three days now i'm two days a week and i always said that once i get rid of that entirely i want to serve more on the board just because i feel like a there's like a lot of things you can learn on being on the board and also it and you you're like doing your duty as like a realtor to to help the community i guess yeah um i love hearing that and i would really encourage it everything there is i have not found a negative side to having done it i do recall when i was when i was new the first time I was on the board, if, I, if memory serves me, um, uh, Joe Nastry, shout out to Joe. Joe Nastry was the president, and I and I and I remember sitting back and thinking, um, he's putting a lot of time into this. It's um, it's time away from the ability to to make money. And I was we were standing around casually. It wasn't in a formal setting. And I and I said, Joe, I just got to ask you. You're re- working really hard at this. Tell me. Tell me why. And he looked at me almost with a very kindly, but with almost a perplexed look. He paused and he said, Chris, it's service. And a light bulb went off in my head. Um, It it really is service back to an industry. And the industry has been been good to me. So it's a a way of of giving back. You know, when when when, as an example, when people um, when we get when we get uh, asked to commit monies or donate monies to the to our pack, um, you know, I always try to tell people the good work that RPAC does to help um, uh, the homeowners of New York State from bad legislation and to help the practitioners in our business um, from legislation. And it's a way of giving back to the industry. But there's this whole other way of doing it. You know, some right. years my, my income's been, been pretty good. Other years, not as good as previous years. So there's a multitude of ways of giving back, one of which is volunteering at the board, getting involved um, sitting on a committee or two, um, because I think it's equally as crucial to the industry, and it's a way of doing it, particularly for someone that's not, you know, built their practice to, you know, 10, 12 years into where they're making real money. Um, five, six years, you know, it's all different our trajectory, person to person, but it's a great way of, of giving back back to the industry. What, like, what and if would... you're interested, um, and it's and as things do known for you. I'd be happy to, to help help you navigate through it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, what uh, what would you recommend if you're like looking to to like dip your toe in the waters? Like, what would be the first board you would suggest serving on? I think you, what I would say is uh, go to cnyrealtor.com and go to the members section of the page, and it's all of the different committees that exist. Uh-huh. And then say to yourself, which of these areas? Do I personally? So if I'm, I'm if I if my mindset is of a political nature, anyways, maybe I would want to do the ledge committee. If um, if I've got um, experience in in marketing, asked, uh, maybe I would want to be on the marketing committee. Right. Um, if I really enjoy the events and of a social social personality in nature, I I would you know maybe do the events. So there, you know take a look at that list and and try to plug yourself into where you feel you'd have the, the greatest greatest interest. And so when people ask ask me this kind of question, I'd you know, say, one-on-one, why don't we chat about it? We'll both look at the list, and I'll help flush it out for you what, what mm. would make sense. And we can certainly do that at some point um, as we approach next year if it's something 
you're interested in getting into. Yeah, yeah. No, it seems like just because it's it's for me, it's always it's been like juggling a couple things. So I felt like if I pulled retail out of my life, I would want to fill it with with some kind of something. And I feel like, especially if real estate, I I love it so much now being two years in it that I I want it to be a career focus. So I would like to be able to serve on the board and be able to talk more intelligently about the board because when people ask me in-depth questions about it i don't i don't really have all the answers when it comes to that stuff that makes sense sure um, sure so what like what made you want to be uh president i'm sorry what'd you say um I, I, we'd be thrilled to have you have and you know have you participate uh, and yeah. so yeah as we as we get into the fall we'll, we'll chat further yeah. you and i one-on-one that'd be good um and that would be terrific um Post the question again. I'm sorry. Oh, like what, what made you want to become a uh, president? I, I had done a, I had, I had been on the directorship on the board itself in the past. And, um, it was probably around 2009 where I was, where I was considering doing it at that time. And it just didn't make sense in my life at that moment. So when the opportunity presented, uh, this time around, um, you know, it's, it's, it's service, it's service back to the industry. And, so I, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I did think about it. Uh, I put a lot of thought into it, knowing that what I didn't want it to become is a distraction to my day job. Yeah. And I was able to figure out the balance so that that was not the case. Yeah, that was that was going to be another question I asked was like, how many hours do you allocate for being the president versus managing the Howard Hanna, Cicero, North Syracuse office? Yeah. So, so, so as you can imagine. Last year, I did a complete year uh, as president, and this year, uh, I would say in the month of April, I put as much time in in the one month as I did in a quarter or two uh, last year. Ah, so it's that. not not overwhelmingly taxing being the president. Um, uh, this year is just a unique year. Yeah, to for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, was there like? Um... Was there like a big goal you had in mind when you became president? Like you were hoping to shift the focus onto a certain subject matter? Yeah. Oftentimes uh, folks will go in with, with a direction in mind. Really what I've tried to do is uh, the directorship itself is uh, done some visioning and we've looked at what we're trying to accomplish. So rather than me come in with an with a, an agenda that I necessarily thought was, oh, this is terrific. Let's, here, you know, here here's you know, I had a stump speech and I want to accomplish X, Y, or Z. Right. It, it was less that approach, and it was much more okay. We we do a retreat with the directors every um, uh, every September October timeframe. You know, it's usually end of September, early October, mm-hmm. and we we we, we kind of set set course on, on what we'd like to accomplish. So a year ago, year and a half ago, when we did that, we, uh, we looked at a, a couple of things. Um, uh, so, uh, be- better communication to the, to the membership. Um, uh, and we've got a couple of projects underway that aren't public facing yet to the membership. Um, but utilizing more video, in, uh, in, in our communication, to, to everybody. Um, uh, at last year's, what we came up with also was to, to have a, a leadership training program, which we were more or less all ready to roll out uh, in April. We, we, we'd scheduled dates. We'd, we'd contracted with with someone um, from Syracuse University that that's what they do. And um, and then and then uh, we had to put that on 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 pause. But I get I rather than me go in and, and articulate what I want to accomplish. I try to look at what the directorship says we should be doing. Yeah, um, right. And, and like, how many total people would you say? Because everybody that serves in the community is is a real estate agent, right? It's not. There's not like you have to be a licensed real estate agent to be on the board. So, the vast, vast, vast majority of folks are licensed, but you do not have to be. Uh-huh. So a great a great example uh, would be, and I'm going to leave people out, and I apologize, but the first one that comes to mind, Jeff Pennard is a is a uh, mortgage guy, but mm-hmm. Jeff has been on the ledge committee for years and uh, really has brought a lot to the table. Um, so anyway, you do have to be a member um, in good standing, um, but you could be a, an associate member and still participate. Okay. Gotcha. And how many people do you say like overall serves 
the GSA are on a committee or like works yeah, directly? I, I, I'm not going to have the exact headcount today, but it was some, it's somewhere on the order of um, 130 to 140 people. Wow. Believe that's it crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a larger number than, 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 than po- folks, folks know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking like, honestly, like in the thirties range, like I wasn't expecting plus a hundred on top of my guess. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's over. It's over. It's over a hundred for sure. Right, and and how many? Like, what percentage would you say are like real estate agents? Like ninety? Yeah, over ninety yeah. percent. There's there's a handful that are associate members, but it's it's nearly all nearly all members themselves. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. going back to like your like the managing side of things, how did you get into real estate, and how long you've been like doing the whole managing offices and stuff? Yeah, so uh, 98 was when I first got licensed, um, if memory serves me. Yeah, about around 98. Uh, in the year 2000, I went to work for a home builder. Um, my family had a brokerage, and uh, I thought I had a great idea um, when I told my family I would be getting my license and go to work for him. And they said, great, no. <laughs> um, they did not want um, me to just be the son of the owner. And most of my um, working career, I'd been out of college maybe 10 years at that point. Um, uh, most of my career had been down in Washington, D.C. in, a, in another uh, two industries. I did I did media sales and I did medical sales. Uh-huh. And folks here didn't know my business acumen. So, um, so as I talked with the family, they said, come back to town. Sure. Um, get in the industry. Absolutely. But do it elsewhere. So I went to work for a home builder, which was the best move I could make. Um, and, uh, I did that for about a year and a half, two years, about a year and a half, I'd say. And then I went to work, um, for the family business, uh, at the time. And, uh, we had, we represented a lot of builders and because I had a new construction background, um, I, uh, I, I, I began um, with our new construction department, and then um, uh, after after a period of time of doing that, working in a Liverpool office, working in the Camillus office, I um, I then began managing the our Camillus branch at the time, and I was there for a, a number of years. And really, since probably 2002 or so, 2003, I've been I've been um, managing branch offices. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, were you have you always been with Howard Hanna? Well. I guess Gallinger or Realty USA. I don't remember. Yeah, I moved to companies one time. Um, that would have been in 2010 when I went to real. With the time was Realty USA, and uh, uh, would have been summer of 2010. And so I've been with us that entire time. Um, there's a history before that, right? So it was it was Gallinger, then Gallinger GMC, and then Realty USA. Yeah. I jumped on board. I jumped on board during the Realty USA years. Right. And it was. What about almost going on approaching four years ago now that um uh, we were acquired by by uh, the Hanna organization? Yeah, right, right. That's interesting. That's it's like uh, it's kind of interesting how things have changed so drastically. And during your time as like selling, was there one thing like or one area that you focused on? Was it just new construction? Um. So for me, it's been. Uh, I have an expert. I feel comfortable saying I have an expertise in new construction. Okay. And um, I don't think that that's um, an overstatement. And then also just mostly my sphere of influence. So I've I've I I've in my own transactions over the course of years. It's it's really been all residential. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I've done some commercial uh, where I've been involved, but that's been privately. I've not, I really don't do that for consumers no. um, because it's not my area of expertise. Yeah. It's like one of those things that they tell you when you take your classes, like stick to the things that you know, do your, sure. do your due diligence and don't work outside your scope. Right. And our, and our code of ethics uh, states that as well requires that. Yeah. It's right. interesting when I talk to people because they don't, they don't realize that uh, realtors have a code of ethics. Like they don't right. think that we have a, a stringent code of, of ethics and, it's it's interesting because not I guess it's just uh, it's not something that's like openly talked about as agents. And and you use the, the uh, exact la- precise language that uh, when you say uh, 
realtors have a code of ethics, and there's a there's a point of distinction there. So a licensee in New York State necessarily does not, mm. but anyone with a realtor does. Right. Right. So by 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 joining um, by joining the local board, you become a de facto member of the state and national, and every one of us that does that. Um, therefore, has the code of ethics to follow, right. and if you, and therefore, if you're so, th- there's a, a this is not the case for for all commercial guys, but the commercial world, um, in our marketplace, um, uh, uh, the, the the majority of people writing business are are not necessarily members of our board, and therefore they don't they don't um, they're not NAR members, and in turn they don't have to adhere to it. Oh, interesting. Um, and then, yeah, so it's just it's it's one of the differences between, and that's that's you that's specific to the rule sets, but also um, to the customs that build up in each market. So if I were to go down the throughway, the percentage of 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 commercial practitioners, say in Albany, I believe, is higher than in, in Syracuse, and Syracuse would be different than Rochester or, or or Buffalo or anywhere else in the state as well. Right. Right. Man, that's so so interesting. It's so like it goes way more in depth than than some people think of. It's like more more at the surface, I guess you could say is the best sure. word for it. Um, so how how was uh, everybody talks about that's been in real estate since before two thousand eight? They always talk about that crazy market crash two thousand eight two thousand nine. How did that affect you? And did that you said you left in two thousand ten? So did that kind of like push your move to come over to Realty USA? Um, I'll, probably the best way to, to respond to that is really circling back to your initial question. Um, there's a there's a connect here. Because I had uh, involved myself at the board, I got to know my competition much better uh, than, I would, than I would have otherwise. Gotcha. And if you think about our business and uh, – my agents have probably all heard me to say this. We are a really unique industry in that if you think about it, Levi's does not sell Lee jeans. McDonald's <laughs> doesn't sell Burger King, right? Yeah. But in real estate, we sell the other competitors' product each and every day. Right. So we're doing this this yeah. this very different business. And I involved myself at the board early on, and I got to know my competitors, um, including Mark Ray, who, um, who I had a lot of uh, – respect for and so when it when it seemed on a personal level uh time for me to make to make a move um uh i knew the owner of realty usa by reputation and had been and had been introduced to him um and he had a great reputation and was clearly um very sophisticated in his approach to business and very smart but it was really Mark Ray as well that I knew locally and knew that I could work for because we had rolled up our sleeves together on other projects um, through the board. And so it, it was a great way for me to see beyond the scope um, of, of what I uh, would have um, been limited to had I not had I not done board work. Right, right. And like uh, I think I asked Mark Ray this when he was talking about when he became a, a salesperson to like a manager, how – how did your brain have to shift gears in the sense that like I always revert back to retail because it's like the one area that I know when you're a sales associate, all you're worrying about is like centrally located what's in your department, how to right. like push sales. And then you go to the manager scope and then you're looking at how to push sales in all departments and looking more at like the whole picture. But like what kind of things like how did you shift your train of thought into being coming a manager? Yeah, it's a terrific question because I was feeling some type of um, separation anxiety, um, you know, from nine, from well, actually late 80s. I'd always been in sales in one form or another, um, you know, even during college. And um, and so uh, when I went into management and I was no longer uh, directly selling with the with the consumer, with the public. There, uh, there was it was a noticeable change for me, and uh, very quickly what I recognized was uh, I recognized the fact that if, if I put into terms the people that I have a responsibility to, the agents themselves, 
and I think of the relationship is very similar to my to my approach through uh, my sales career, which was just uh, I was doing less selling and more um, uh, relationship based sales mm. and problem solving for the consumer predicated on their needs. Yeah. Um, that. that that it was more or less the same process. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, there's there, the disconnect I initially felt because I was not with the, uh, in the direct company of buyers every day. Um, I was able to quickly replace once I thought of it in those terms. Well, I still have clients and those clients are agents and how do I service their needs? Um, right. well, it's by identifying their needs early on, building the relationship with them, hopefully the trust with them that so they understand that, that you're there um, working on their behalf to better their life for their families. And, um, at first it, it you know, took, that's, that's kind of a paradigm shift. It took a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, probably a couple months, but once I put it into that context to myself, um, it, uh, it, it became very rewarding very early on. Right. And that's, that's, it's funny that you said, uh, problem solving because when I, when I started doing jujitsu or martial arts, that's what I, that's what I appreciated about it was the fact that it was like, problem solving and it's problem solving in the minute it's not something that you can like you can't be like in a arm bar thinking oh now i need to think my neck no you need to you need to get out like immediately what's the what's the steps to get out of different things and that's kind of like what i appreciate about real estate is it's it's personable so everybody has different personalities and different things that they need and what's important to them and everything's like problem solving it's like how can we how can we make sure everybody's happy and it's a win-win situation for everybody. So it's sure. kind of interesting to see that correlation. And when you, uh, when you say that, that there's a correlation between that and jujitsu and it's problem solving, I know nothing about, about that, uh, that sport or endeavor, but I do listen to Joe Rogan and yeah. he actually <laughs> says, he, he does say that it's problem solving yeah. in real time. Yeah. Right. In real right. Time. He's and got that, that quote that, that says, uh, mm-hmm. it's, problem solving with dire physical consequences or something like that yeah yeah yeah, and that's that's like what attracted me to doing muay thai or jiu-jitsu was just the fact that it is problem solving and it's very um i don't know i appreciate it because it's like one of the things where you you have to be like you have to be in the moment you know what i mean you have to like be thinking about Mm -hmm. it and you can't be you can't be grappling or sparring and then thinking about oh there's this bill that i have to get paid or there's this, you know, there's this deal that might fall through because X, Y, Z didn't happen or, or I really got to make sure this time it's like, no, you need to be focused in the moment and fixated on what, what's in front of you, which is what I right. appreciate. And we're just really crystal clear concentration right. to that, which is presenting itself to you right there in real time. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So definitely, definitely. Um, so now, now that you're like doing the whole managing thing, is there do you have like a certain like routine that you follow? Like when you get up in the morning, do you uh, check in with certain agents that you haven't talked to in a while or like, how does your routine look? Yeah. So, um, so uh, I'm, I'm in the office and I start the day similarly each day. Um, or I'd like to say I do, I certainly have the goal, right? Yeah. So it's, pardon me. It's understanding the, um, the inventory. So I'll get up, look at the inventory, what's new, um, what's, what's transpiring with the transactions in my office. And I'll try to, um, uh, as best I can keep abreast of that. And, um, that's usually where the day begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. There's no, like, uh, it's not like a, uh, a pl- like a premeditated first four hours of your day where you check the, since you said you check the MLS and then like, do you do some type of like, like workout routine or something like that or uh uh the last time i saw a gym was high school gym class <laughs> <laughs> i mean it doesn't yeah. look like it it looks like you're in good shape well i say that a bit tongue-in-cheek uh and that's kind of you um i'm i'm feeling all my 52 years um yeah. No, there's, there's there's quite a bit of routine right um so there's really two two aspects to the job in my mind, the nine to five component, which is the operations of the, of the office itself. So I'm responsible and it's, it's really is a luxury. I'm only responsible for these four walls right. here in Cicero North Syracuse and uh, the job description itself, as I put it, um, 
I defer also to, to my powers of be, but it's, if you think of it in terms of, and this is again, in no particular order, but recruit, retain, motivate, and train. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, how is this office um, functioning? Are we cash flowing? Are we, uh, it's the, it's the operational aspect of this office. Um, and that always begins with the agent population. Um, and knowing, uh, knowing my agents and um, hopefully knowing their life needs and what's going on in their business and trying to be um, uh, able to help them. You can't recruit into an office if the current, uh, your current clients, uh, comrades and friends aren't happy. Yeah. So it, it's taking, it's taking care of that. It's then trying to educate them. We have, um, we have a, a, just a, a metric ton of, um, tools and services that that didn't exist in the industry just a few years ago and certainly are unique in our marketplace to our organization. So, uh, you know, that, that the training component is really um, uh, exponentially grown in the sense of responsibility um, and time investment that I, that I need to put into that. You know, traditionally it was get someone new up and running and understanding the mechanics of, of the business and transactions themselves. Now it's, it's that plus all of the tools. Yeah. And then, and so, so, you know, it's, it's those four components and the operations of the branch completely almost separate from that is everything outside of that nine to five job. And I feel that that's also where um, you solve, um, excuse me, sorry about that. If you, okay. uh, it, it's being accessible to the agents when they are conducting business. And that is typically when their clients are not at work. And what does that mean? That means, you know, nights and weekends. So yeah. I, I, I feel confident in being able to say my my agents know that they can reach out to me and uh, they'll do it at whatever time it is because if it's a Friday night and they're seeing a deal starting to fall apart and they need to soundboard with someone about um, methodology or ways to keep the deal together, um, you know, they need to speak to you then in real time. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the job uh, uh, does carry itself over uh Beyond, beyond, I think what most folks um, would perceive. Yeah. And 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 for me, I grew up um, watching my father do just that. You know, we had this would be in the 1970s when you know people still had rotary phones, <laughs> and um, and there was a phone in our house that none of my other friends had. It was an isolated phone with its own extension, its own phone line. Wow. That we were never able to pick up because it was pre-cell phone days, right? Yeah. And it was even pre-having multiple lines into your house. But he would be problem-solving, you know, all evening long. Yeah. Um, and uh, helping agents navigate through transactions. So to me, it's, 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 it was from day one, it was very, it was very familiar. Yeah. Um, to be accessible. And if you, you know, if I can, if I, if I can help an agent um, put a deal together or um, keep a deal together, um, it's, I think one of my primary charges. Right. So. That's cool. And you said the, I want to make sure I get it right. You said the four was recruit, retain, motivate, and train. Sure. Yep. Uh, okay. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. That's kind of, uh, that's like the four key components of most of like managing. Cause it seems like yeah. it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a different shift. I mean, even in retail, like these things would, would totally 100% apply, but I, I was in retail management, since I was 19, so and I've never heard this before, so it's kind of cool to to hear to hear that. It's very interesting. Now, yeah, it, if it, it, if I if at any moment in time when I'm doing whatever that task I'm doing at that moment in time is, if I reflect to myself and say, is it one of these four components? You know, is is the energy and efforts that I'm putting forward right now going to um, help someone better themselves through training? Um, so training's a kind of a a, uh, a, a an umbrella term and it could come in you know countless ways that i'd yeah. be training but am i am i am i advancing the knowledge base and or methodology that that individual agent's doing um or am i am i um am i um doing something to to retain them well if i'm training them 
I'm indirectly retaining them, right? right. Um, if I'm if I'm navigating through a transaction early on a Sunday morning, um, you know, I'm probably also retraining them as well. Yeah. Um, so if I'm taking care of my agents and they're helping them with their transactions, much of the other falls into place. So if I can, at any moment in time, I try to reflect on, is this, is this a recruiting measure? Is this a retention measure? Is it a training measure? What, what, what is it is? And, and if it's not, because there's certainly um, all sorts of paperwork and, 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 and um, uh, the sheer uh, mechanics of, of uh, uh, the institution of my branches operations, um, that's all important too. And that also has to get done. Right. Yeah, I would say that this podcast is even uh, is a good training piece for me. You said it's like a training's like an umbrella term, so it's very like it. It's like this podcast for me, which is like yeah. selfishly one of the reasons why I started this was to a get a chance to meet new people and talk to them, but b also kind of like when do I ever get a chance to sit down with you for an hour and just pick your brain and talk to you for a bit? Sure, you know, sure. And yeah. it's and it's just like it's you and I, and we're just having a good conversation which doesn't really happen too much in this world right it, it, i i uh, i can see what you're saying that makes a lot of sense to me uh, and it's a great way for me to introduce uh, a thought that i um that i have for, for the two of us specifically and that's um perhaps uh, not that i'm inviting myself back to the podcast but what i am trying to articulate is don't ever be shy to pick up the phone and call yeah right the the, the these uh Something always fruitful will come from from an open dialogue between two parties. Yeah. Um, if if the if the mindset's right and the both parties want to have it. So just as I said a moment ago, hey, my agents know they can call me. I do. I'm finding this um, both entertaining but also fruitful. Yeah. And um, you know the analogies to retail I had not thought of in the past, uh, in the in the way you just expressed it. So it's 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 mutually beneficial and we should continue on with it just yeah. no you're always always welcome yeah. back on the podcast yeah i always uh for me it's like i come from a retail world so it's always and even when i was in retail it was like all right i'm i'm a i got out of college and i was they gave me a full-time position and then i was like all right what do i need to do to get to the next step so it was me talking to a manager saying what do i need to do to become a department manager or something and then it slowly escalated to where I was a, an assistant store manager. And it's just like everything that I've done, I always just try to find that correlation to, to retail. Because really, it's the only thing I've known my whole life. Right. And that's pretty yeah. much why I like, I've done retail since I was 17. And sure. it was really the only thing I've known. So I never left it. And I was afraid to work outside my box until... Mm in light of certain events, it kind of made me want to rethink what my goals and careers were and, and how I wanted to have a better work life balance for myself and, you know, be able to uh, take a black Friday off and not be up at 3am to right. open a store. Sure. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit, like, so a bit of quality of life in there as well. Yeah. Now, the, the retail itself, um, there are certainly certain sectors that, uh, that lend themselves towards a, uh, success in, in real estate. Retail is one of them because you build up a, a skill set to be able to very quickly communicate with people, build rapport, yeah. and and identify what they are seeking. So we've all walked into that proverbial retail place, whether clothing store or furniture store, and immediately been confronted with the person that's up in our grill mm-hmm. and or witnessed the person that uh, is is uh, lackluster in their in their in their assistance, yeah. and it's and it's and it's uh, people that do retail for any period of time um, uh, build up the the ability to, to to communicate and identify what brought you in today, what your goals, yeah. identify the goals, and then say, okay, here's how we might be able to meet meet your needs. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, that was beautifully said. Yeah, it's like it's almost just like um, you have like a very short window to capture their their attention, but in real estate it's like that window's more open that makes sense like you have a longer it's a longer transactional period than just hey what what do you what brings you in the store today oh you need a a new grill piece oh okay cool what what kind of grill do you know it's like just a different conversation i guess yeah and it's it's and it depends on um on where where the where you are in that process so um if it's a, if it's a, an e-lead regardless of the the channel that it came in on um, you have only a split second and yeah. timeliness is, 
is is timeliness is king, um, responsiveness is king. Um, if it's if it's someone from your center of influence that presents himself as having a need, you've got quite a bit of time with them. Right. And it really it's it's it kind of begins at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. What, how did I? How was I introduced to this person? And as quickly getting to their needs as as, as possible, as opposed to um, feature dumping. And you know, yeah. you know, if you think of um, there's a a, 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 a a stereotypical phrase used in the automotive industry. What's it going to take to get you in a car today, or <laughs> to have you drive off the lot today? Yeah. That is that's not going to work in real estate. Right. Um, you know. Uh, Making it about their life need um, and and asking the, the appropriate probing questions um, um, is going to get you a lot further. Yeah, like I've never working retail, I never had somebody come in and say, "Yeah, I want to buy a, a weed eater, but you know, I'm just I'm I'll probably be ready to buy it in another year." You know, right. like you never have right. that. You never have that transaction. Like they're there. There's your period of time you have maybe a half hour with them to capture their attention and, and try to get them out the door with the weed eater. And then you talk about add-on sales and all that other jazz. But putting that aside, it's like that window of time is so much smaller than than being in yeah. than real estate. Um, yeah, cause it's really it's, – it's that it's, – it's, it's, uh, depending on the product that you're selling and, and um, it, it, it's, you know, it's been years since I did any uh, retail – uh, it, uh, you have just a, it's a much shorter moment of time. And if I would imagine that it's, it also, uh, is it a, is it a, uh, impulse buy or is it yeah. a, Hey, I came here just to get the weed, weed eater. Yep. Um, and can I get it at, you know, three other places within a quarter mile of here mm-hmm. or a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So like, um, so going back to real estate, what in your time, your whole span, what do you think has been, like one of the biggest changes you've seen in the industry. I, I see that, um, that, uh, through when I first got in the business, they were saying that, um, real estate would go the way of say the, um, travel agency. So there was a time where every strip mall in town had a travel agency. Yeah. And then the internet made it, uh, convenient for, the consumer, the end user, to book their flights themselves. Right. Right. So that that really disrupted that business. Yeah. Um, there was predictions that that would happen to our industry, and um, you know, as early back as the late '90s, and here it is, 2020, and the the, the traditional business model is more or less the same. Oh, yeah. What I've seen different is the use of technology for folks that don't necessarily have a sphere of influence to generate and create for themselves a pipeline of business yeah. as, well as, as well as the ancillary tools that help people conduct their business. Right. Right. So we have, we have, it's, it, it serves, it serves in the capacity of driving traffic our way if we smartly use it. And also technology serves in the capacity of being able to communicate, you know, instantaneously in real time. Yeah. Um, through multiple channels, right? right? You know, what's the language you like to speak? Do you speak email? Do you speak phone? Do you speak text? Yeah. You know, speaking to people in their language and identifying it. Um, and and then the, the tools themselves, um, what's something that you uniformly all have? Uh, uh, Instanet, being able to uh, pull our documents out yeah. of the cloud at a moment in time. So those are some things that have that have really changed. But overall, um, the... the uh, Agents that have systems in place, if you are systematic in your approach to your business, are the agents that I see succeed. So um, being systematic. Now, new systems had to be implemented for people. If I use uh, e-leads as as an example, just that one isolated um, um, category. If I don't have systems in place that I live by religiously for communicating back to the leads as they come to me, I, it, it, I'm, I'm going to be conducting business as if it was 1999. Right. If I, it doesn't matter if I pay for the zip code or I get on the team that fields the the, the, the the inquiries. If I'm not systematic in my approach, then the technology is working against me and not for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's also, I think like real estate is one of those few, few businesses where there's, 
there definitely is a like successful model, but there's no one way that's like sure. like a hundred percent proven. Like you have agents that don't even use Facebook or Instagram and they're top producing agents every single month consistently. And then you have like the younger crowd of agents that are very savvy in social network and Facebook and other social media stuff and and they can be on the top of their game. It's a very interesting business because it's not it doesn't seem like there's a, a perfect fit, but I think you're right on that approach where it's like if you're systematic where like maybe you're not on Facebook but you call you cold call every single day ten people, you cold call ten expireds or or I don't know, you you call friends every month. So it's like, if you're systematic, I could definitely see any way being proven to work. Right, and, and, and from one agent to another, their systems might be entirely different. Yeah, right. Right, but but it's it's through that diligence and that um, um, crafting of, of, of your methodology. Yeah. Um, and the methodology, you're, 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 you're floating in the wind. Yeah. Um, there, there's another thing that, that, that is was true I'll say back in the day and and is to this day. Um, and that is a, um, a mediocre agent in their 10th year might be doing much better than a stellar agent in their first year, because what are we doing? We're really building a practice. Yeah. Right. Right. So if you think of it as I'm building a practice, no one transaction is how I'm going to make a living or put food on the table. Um, but that one transaction, if I can see to it that, Regardless if uh, if we walk away with a, a, a transfer of title and a passing of keys, um, if I have people walk away satisfied with the service that I provided and the expertise that I delivered, right. then then I, I may or may not make a commission check, but I certainly will get build up that practice. Right. Right. Because yeah. I can get referrals from it. Right. Yeah, and I've I've used this analogy before, but it's like almost every everybody's business is like a unique thumbprint. Like it's, it's very yeah. individualized and it's very, uh, there's not uh, one exact way basically to do it. Yeah. That, I like that a lot. That's, yeah. that's it's singularly unique to all of us Yeah, right. and totally. how we go about. Yeah. Know, there's some agents yeah. that like love to use Excel spreadsheets and other agents like, like me, I would much rather use an automated system like real scout, like Howard Hanna gives us to put all my clients directly in front of me and it shows me what they're looking at rather than like constantly like moving things over to an Excel spreadsheet. But uh, there's some agents that like, ex- like pun intended Excel at using that program. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, 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 in either, uh, in, in both cases, neither's correct. What yeah. is correct is it's correct for that individual. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Now, if you had like, uh, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and change one thing about real estate, what would it be? The industry overall, or, or the people that I'm working with directly. It, it, people, let's uh, let's do both. Okay. Why don't you start industry overall? Um, I'm going to ponder on that a minute. I'm going to jump to the others first. Okay. I, I would have more people um, using, um, for instance, engage CRM. In other words, where we used to have to create our systems in the past, mm-hmm. those systems have been created by software engineers that are pretty bright folk. Yeah. And, and a large, large investment has been put into place to help with those systems that I referenced. And so now anyone at Howard Hanna, for instance, has the, 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 uh, a tool that, you know, I remember, uh, you know, not all that long ago, uh, agents um, could only access those types of tools um, through third-party vendors, and you they were spending, for and they were spending big money on yeah. it, big money on it, right. and um, and uh, no, that's you know kind of the fluidity of this conversation going from talking about systems um, directly into the tools that are out there that are available to us are are, are exceptionally strong, and the, you know I think agents perceive the learning curve to be a heavy lift. But I'll challenge anyone to to say, okay, let's sit down with a um, someone that's never been in our industry or turned on any tool to our industry, and say, all right, here's the MLS, and here's say we use Engage CRM as an example. Which would you rather tackle? And the person that's neither seen neither of those things is going to say, it seems a lot more intuitive using Engage CRM. Right. It doesn't seem as robust or as hard as the MLS. Mm-hmm. And certainly the 
not only is the mechanics of the MLS as good as it is, a challenge to learn with a learning curve, all of the method, all of the reason behind the methods, why am I doing this? How do I do the CMA? How do I drill down for the numbers and what am I doing? That is exponentially a larger thing to tackle. Now we all have to do that in the industry, but those of us that came up in the industry not need not having access to the current day tools view the current day tools as a heavy lift because of the learning curve mm. and, and my thought process is always my goodness you've you've tackled and learned other things that are as sophisticated or more sophisticated more um uh, more complicated for sure yeah and and um that's probably the better way to put it they're more they're more complicated yeah and um, and if you, you can do that you can learn any one of these these items. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I feel like it's funny because I've uh, I've heard that there's agents that are like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need that tool, and I don't need that, which is true. They don't, they don't need it, but it could make their their lives a whole hell of a lot easier, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a hard couple of days for an easy couple of years, right? Yeah, that's, no, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it, it's it's they are, they are designed to save time and stay more organized. Right. Um, yeah. So if I can have whether it's the Excel spreadsheet or engage, if I can say, all right, I've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G with this consumer from start to finish to get them to close. Um, and it's all in one place. Um, uh, I'm going to be much more organized. And every morning I will be able to wake up and know precisely what I'm doing. Today. Yeah. Right. It's all mapped out for me. Right. Um, now it's, on a it's, national it's, level, did you ponder yeah. some more if you had that magic wand? Poof. Chris makes right. this happen on a national level. On a national level, um, I really I, I, I don't have a great answer for that. Yeah, um, it's tough, right? I think, well, yeah, there's a, 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 there. I don't see any underlying flaw or yeah. any underlying um, um, concern in the industry. Um, so to to you know, I'm I'm sure I could come up with tonight. I'll I'll wind up I'll wind up saying to myself, um, oh. You know, here's a half a dozen things that <laughs> be, if I, you know, if I were king for a day, yeah. what would I? Do? Yeah, right. But, but no, I think I think this way. I will say that this, the state of affairs for residential real estate in central New York is in real time and for many years leading up to now has been exceptionally strong. And that's because um, we have an exceptionally strong board and an exceptionally strong um uh, executive officer Lenore Fetko, mm-hmm. and we also have really good uh, uh, players in the industry. So the the people that have been in leadership, if we just ran through between 20, 2000 and twenty twenty, the p- people that have been president of the board and the brokers that have been influential in our local market, we're really really fortunate. We're yeah. really fortunate because while we compete with each other every day. Um, uh, it's friendly competition, and it genuinely is. Are we've been able to maintain? We always talk of the board in, in, in terms of it being Switzerland. It has to be neutral. But <laughs> I think I think we are the people that are that involve themselves there. Uh, really do take that approach, and really do see the importance. You know, Burger King can't sell McDonald's absent Switzerland. Yeah. Right, and um, you know we're fortunate. I I know my counterparts in other areas of the state and other areas of the country. Um, um, don't have as much cohesion as we do, mm. um, and so I think we're we're fortunate in, in that locally for sure. Yeah, I agree. With that. I feel like out of all the deals that I've done, I think I've run into like one agent that I've been like, Ugh. but other everybody's mm. like everybody's a smooth, smooth sailing on everything. But I mean, I guess that's the case with any job. You always get a couple knuckleheads, I guess, right? Yeah, they'll be they'll be in every every sector, and and you know when you when you you know. We're gonna we're gonna stumble into them, and we have to navigate through that. But um, for the most part, we have a a, a a a degree of professionalism locally that I that I um, I I would put up against any industry. Yeah, agreed. So the last thing I have for you is if you could give it's a two part question. So if you could give any advice to a new agent, what would it be? And what would you give advice to a seasoned veteran agent? Sure. So for a new agent, um, uh, don't get paralyzed through education, but um, create systems for yourself. Um, I, I, I find a lot of new agents 
they'll do one of two things. They'll either race for the business um, and they just charge full speed ahead or they'll, they paralyze themselves with, um, with, with, um, out of, out of fear. Paralysis of analysis. Yeah. yeah, I suffered that when I first came in, when I first came into business, that was like, that was my biggest thing. I was always overthinking stuff. Yeah. So it's figuring out a balancing act so that your own, so that your own sensibilities and comfort level are there, or you will, um, you won't write business because you'll, you'll have the appearance of being nervous, but we all have to, we all have to take the plunge. We all have to write that first, that first, that first transaction, find someone in your office that will help you navigate through that. Not only your branch manager, but the fellow agents around you, they want to see you succeed. Yeah. That's what I've worked with, with my group. They are so considerate to new people that come on board. Yeah. It's, it's really I'm exceptionally fortunate that way. So, so that, so that new person, um, uh, uh, go after the business, have the confidence in, in the people that you've surrounded yourself with, um, that they're going to, facilitate and help you through the course of it and begin very early on um, putting systems into place um, uh, through uh, customer relationship um, uh, software um, through um, uh, or an Excel spreadsheet, whatever it is that keeps you continuously um, prospecting and staying organized and having a, a business plan for yourself. If I, this is probably, I think I've answered your question that I wasn't getting to earlier. If I had a magic wand, what would I change? The number of agents that don't have a business plan mm. in our industry relative to others, I think is low. And I would change that. They would write more business. So if you I'm going to be honest with you. I'm guilty of that. I do not have a business plan. Oh, man. So um, I'm writing it down right now, though. It'll, it'll, it'll completely help you. Um, it will completely help you. Um, and we've got a tool for that. Um, right over there on my shelf. So right. between the, so between the fast start book, we've got we'll, we'll chat. All right. Um, it really, it really will help you. You can set your sights on where am I going to be in six months, a year, two years, five years out. Yeah. And um, and and therefore, what's the roadmap to getting there? Well, uh, how much prospecting am I going to do? How am I going to go about it? And what are the methodologies of prospecting that that sit well with me so that I'll actually accomplish those? Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's probably the thing I would change mostly about folks. Have them have them have business plans. Um, yeah. Now, if you could give a piece of advice to a grizzled veteran agent, what would you say? Um, the, it's 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 fascinating because it's the veteran agents that I that that. Um, equally, or probably even more so, reach out to me for transaction management. What I mean by that is, you know, I get the phone call. It's after hours. Holy smokes, this is what's going on. I really, I, I, I wanna, I wanna have some help with you from you, Chris. What, what do I do here in this instance? And there are agents that have been doing this longer than me that I think have all of the knowledge base I do, all of the skill sets I do, um, uh, or more, right? Be, what I do for a living is a luxury in that it's a force through the trees principle when problem solving. When I'm conducting a transaction for a good friend of mine and something presents itself, they're my good friend. I'm emotionally attached to the transaction and I have the same questions. I have the same hesitations. I have the same, I need to soundboard with someone. So unfortunately, I've got a lot of folks to turn to. You know, I've yeah. got Sean to I've got Mark to turn to. I've got a ton of people to turn to, my fellow managers. I've got all these great people that I can turn to, right? When it's my own transaction. Ironically, that same question could present itself when it's my agent that's involved in the transaction. And I am it's the forest of the trees principle. I'm not emotionally invested in that moment in time. And they have the answer, the correct answer more often than not. Uh, so I guess where I'm going with this is if you are a seasoned agent, when um, when you are having a hiccup, reach out to the people around you that are not that have the skills but are not emotionally invested in the transaction yeah. because they'll have the clarity to not be anxious at that moment in time. And more often than not, they'll soundboard with you and you'll realize you had the, the, the answer all along. Yeah. But, have, but have the confidence and comfort level in doing that and find someone – Find somebody, find your office manager, find a counterpart, uh, uh, find somebody that you can turn to to help you navigate through those transactions. Because those folks that don't, um, 
Well, not only will you will you have a, a higher capture rate of keeping deals together, but you're going to have a, a much higher satisfaction rate with people when the when everything is concluded. So you'll have fewer DFTs, but also you're going to have, on the other hand, more people that are going to come out of this and say, you know what? At the end of the day, even when it got hairy, Chris Chris helped me through that. Yeah. We, things things were pretty sticky there for a moment in time. But he was calm and cool throughout it. And we now have that new house or we now divested from that house and we were able to move on in our life. Yeah, and I think that that's probably what I would say is is have 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 an accountability partner as well as a as a partner that can help you navigate through through the course of your business. Someone that you can turn to. Hopefully that's that's your manager. If it's not your manager, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd be, I'd be happy to be that person. I assure you it's Shauna, because if she's hearing yeah, this right now and I don't say it, she's going to kill me. Yeah, right. And, I, and I'm talking to your audience, not you right now. <laughs> I'm talking to you, posing that to you. But that's really it, right? Yeah. Our, our business is has its challenges, and its uh, 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 transactions can get sophisticated. Um, uh, but uh, uh, it's it's... It, it can be really rewarding and it can we, we can we, it can be as complex as we make it on ourselves and there's um, we don't need often need it to be that complex yeah well perfectly put I uh, I don't have anything else but I want to say thanks for uh, taking the time I appreciate you for the fact you came on here you're serving time as the the president you're on board during probably one of the toughest times and you're making it look like it's a piece of cake so really appreciate you that's that's kind of you to say it's been I'm, i've been very I've, i uh i could not be um happier with the choice to have served um uh, and i would really encourage um anyone listening um that uh is in this business uh to involve themselves at the board you will find it enriching and you will be better for it um, it, um, it's, 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 it's been great. And, uh, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm psyched. We got to do this and spend yeah. some time together and, um, you know, call me anytime you need to, not for, um, interview purposes, but just about the business. Yeah. I'm always around and Shauna's my, she's that she's my accountability partner and my uh, mentor. So, yeah. you know, we've got each other's back all the time. It's a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Take care. Take care.